So there you are, skipping down the path, writing your story. The sun is shining, birds are chirping, you feel great. You can do this. You've got your map to guide you. Your story Madlib is sitting right there. And so you know the chronology of what's ahead of you on the path. You write a scene, and then another. But as you get deeper into it, you start asking yourself, is this the right way? You find yourself at the edge of the woods. Why does this character act this way? Does this setup make any sense? Why does this guy show up here? Wait, does any of this mean anything? Suddenly, you notice that those lovely trees that bordered the path have grown tall all around you, blocking out the sun. Wind starts whipping through the branches. Every direction seems equally perilous. There's no longer a clear way forward. You're lost. Welcome to the forest. I'm Jessica Abel, and this is Out on the Wire, Episode 7, Dark Forest. Today we go deep in the woods, get well and truly lost, and then we find our way back out again. Plus, an interview with Kazu Kibuishi, author of the graphic novel series Amulet. Once upon a time, a little girl lived with her mother in a small stone cottage near the edge of a great forest. I got the metaphor of the forest from Jad Abumrad of Radiolab, who talked about his own walk in the darkness at the Third Coast Audio Fest and then later in a manifesto for Transom.org. The station manager came to me uh, and he said, hey, do you want to do an hour on Wagner's ring cycle? And I thought to myself, okay, Wagner, Wagner, Wagner. I don't know much about Wagner. Oh, sure. Okay. Wagner. Why not? Uh, Fast forward couple of months. I, uh, I have missed four deadlines. Uh, I'm on the verge of getting fired, and uh, I haven't slept for four days. So I had the pressure of ideas that were just out of reach. It was awful. And um, we at Radiolab have given this state of mind a name, because it happens quite often. Uh, we've, we call it the German forest. When you get lost in those deep, dark woods, you think that you're crazy. You think that no one has ever felt this before. And the fact that you're feeling it means that you aren't any good at it and you can't do it. I talked to Jad on Skype later about it. I mean, I actually literally after Wagner, I guess it, I guess I would call it an anxiety attack, the classic anxiety attacks now. Mm-hmm. Where like the tunnel, like the, the, your field of vision would narrow, or your heart would just start racing, you'd get sweaty, you'd have to sit down, you couldn't breathe. I would have that for months after that piece. Wow. It was so stressful. The Wagner piece took me deep into that place. Yeah, well, this book uh, has taken me pretty deep into that place, I have to say. <laughs> the Dark Forest. That image resonated for me all too strongly. Because when I talked to Jad, I was in the midst of trying to write Out on the Wire, the very book on which this podcast is based, and it was not going well. I did this interview with Robert Smith and Zoe Chase at Planet Money in August of 2012. But then, over a year later, as I struggled to figure out what my book was really about, I found myself re-listening to it. There will always be a moment where we think, think it's a bad idea. We think we'll say it out loud. Why did we vo- Why did we volunteer in the meeting? Should we, we thought it was should exciting. Should we throw this away? Should we Should we ditch it? Yeah. The tape's not good. The idea's not good. 
we doubt our own excitement. And then you find it again. Like, you find the thing that got you excited in the first place. I think that's the nature of writing, though. It happens to me with every project, too. Yeah. There's like, you Do know. you want to write out a postcard right now that I can send you in six months to just say, I really, I'm excited about this story. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, postcards to your future, to your, to your future self. It was like I'd actually sent myself that postcard. This is what I wrote that day. I knew this would happen. I knew it's going to feel really sh- like you can't breathe, like you're getting fat, like you're losing brain cells, like you will never be able to think about anything else ever again, like there is no end to the German forest. There's no, there's no periods in that sentence. Mm-hmm. I read that out to Ben in our story meeting the other day, and I literally got choked up. It sucks so hard to be in the dark forest. And rereading my thoughts from that time out loud just put me bang right back in that emotional place. So what the hell is the dark forest? The dark forest is where you end up when you're way out on the wire. When you're sitting down to do the work, but it's so difficult and the work comes so slowly that you just can't believe that you could possibly be doing it right. When you think, really? Is this it? Because this doesn't feel great. Isn't it supposed to feel great when I'm actually writing? Does this mean I have no talent? Should I just give up? Kazu Kibuishi, the author of the graphic novel series and recently announced film, Amulet, is a genuine, honest-to-God narrative artist. But the fact that he's a best-selling, many-times-published author isn't enough to keep him out of the woods. He wrote an extremely popular tweet that summed up his experience of making the work. Creative process. Number one, this is going to be awesome. Number two, this is hard. Number three, this is terrible. Number four, I'm terrible. Number five, hey, not bad. Number six, that was awesome. Number four on that list, I'm terrible. That's what hurts the most. But it wasn't true about Kazu, and it's not true about you, and it's not true about me. Day to day, I hit moments when I think, I don't know if I can figure this out. But when you're in the forest, that struggle tips over into, I can't figure this out because I'm stupid and ugly and a complete failure as a human being. That's not just self-doubt. That's self-hatred. And frankly, some of the steps in the middle, they do not necessarily go so smoothly or so chronologically. You might find yourself at, this is terrible. Then this is okay. I'm terrible. This is hard. This is okay. This is awesome. I am terrible. God, I'm so stupid. I'm an idiot. I will never make it out of this. I will never ever see the light of day again. Oh, wait a second. I see how this might come together. No, I don't. (laughs) This is not writer's block. Or at least it's not the Hollywood version, where you don't put a word on paper and you loll by the pool chain-smoking and drinking martinis while your agent tries to track you down. No, it's much more like you keep writing words and words and words and words and words and words until you're swimming in words, and none of them make any sense to you. No idea is any better than any other idea. And how would you know anyway? You're such a moron. Here's me again in that fall of 2013 as I was writing Out on the Wire. I have bitten off way more than I can chew. And all I've got to show for over a year of research and logging and writing is a file of over 200,000 words 
in some kind of vague order with no narration written by me. And every single time I read over my notes on an interview or watch a video of these people talking, I just want to go back and spend some more time talking to them and listening to them. They are so smart and thoughtful. Why even do this book? I'll just give you a list of streaming audio links and you'll do fine. But then I called my mom and told her about my troubles. You're just using all those things to procrastinate to keep you from actually getting on with it. You end up being a cat chasing its tail because you just go around and around and around without going forward. And I think that a lot of times we do that because taking the next step is, it seems scary, you know, because then you're sort of committing yourself in a way that you haven't now, because everything you've got right now is things you've gotten from other people. In other words, pull up your socks, young lady, get to it. Fortunately for me, all that tape I was struggling with It was full of knowledge from the most creative, most productive people in the world. And they've been through this too. They found their way out. So I went to them to find out. How do I get out of the forest? The first thing I learned is that everyone goes through this. And to get out, you've got to go deeper in. Stephanie Fu of This American Life put it best. And you might not feel like it's working, but that's what it takes. That's what everybody goes through to become good. Jay Allison of the Moth Radio Hour gave me my second clue. To work through it, you need to immerse yourself, get in the flow of the story. You know, to me, that's the joy and pain of the work, like getting deep into a story and figuring out how do I keep this moving? How do I keep the balls in the hand? How do I advance all my armies down the field? Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, and the more complex it gets, the more complex it gets. There's a great peace in this work because for one, you, you can't multitask. It's the one time I have to shut everything else off because you can only exist in the flow of your story. Because if you don't, you're going to miss something. You're not going to be, you're not going to be far enough into it to get yeah. that deep again. To, to get yeah, as deep as you need yeah. to get to make it yeah. to make it transcendent. It's still just enervating, and you're oh, I can't, I can't, you know, I just, I don't know how to do this well, I can't make it as good as I should, and and I think that's why a lot of people just stop creative work, is it's, it's too hard. Following your narrative as deep as it needs to go, that takes an iron constitution. You've got to truly trust yourself, even when the forest makes everything feel wrong. And the fact is, you might actually be wrong. Here's a third clue. When you're in the forest, you've got to be ready to deploy the dynamite. Joe Richman of Radio Diaries told me he's always ready to blow up his structure and start over. Have a structure before you can go out, even if you blow it up. Um, But have an idea of what the beginning is, the ending, what the piece is about. The more you can draw a map early and then continue to redraw it as you go, the better Mm -hmm. off. Because what's dangerous is to have all this tape and then you get there and then it's just completely overwhelming and frightening and you have no idea what you're doing. So you have to kind of pretend to know what you're doing sometimes. I struggled with a mountain of tape for eight months before I knew what my story was. I wandered in search of the story. I had a notion of what it was about, but then I blew it up. I rewrote my structure radically four times and in some ways ended up exactly where I started. I had to fight my way through. For Ira Glass, who I talked to on Skype, getting out of the forest is basically mechanical. It's putting one foot in front of the other. I definitely have had stories where 
where I get lost and it's unclear how to tell the story. But more common for me, since I'm always outlining and I already know where I'm going all the time, like more common for me is, is that I'll have a structure, but then having to just slog through and execute the structure, you know, is such a, like, that's the job of making something. Ira may not be confused as to what his story is about or where he's going, but creativity still involves struggle. The only way any of us ever get anything done is one step at a time. And, uh, and I find that, that more often than not, like, I'm not lost in the German forest. It's more like I'm a soldier in an army that's crossing the mountains by foot in the snow through the, through the Kyborg Pass. And there are soldiers in an opposing army trying mm-hmm. to stop me. And also, I'm carrying a pouch full of, of poppy, of opium, that would be so much more enjoyable <laughs> to be lying down and taking rather than slogging my way through Asia on my, on my trail of conquest. Like, how much nicer to lie down in the snow with your opium pipe? Or, you know, your Netflix queue, whatever. We all scrabble through the same mountains. Sometimes we may not be able to find the path, and so we get lost, and we have to break our own trail. Ira knows the way, but that means he also knows what it's going to take to get there. He still has to climb the mountain. You know, for everything that's great about creative work, there is a tedium to, to, to certain parts of the execution of it. You know, I understand that inking, for example, is not a, a totally enjoyable part of the cartooning process. <laughs> Actually, I enjoy inking comics pages. That's when I get to listen to podcasts. Like right now, um, I'm putting together this story about this, this car dealership. When I talked to him, Ira was working on This American Life, episode 513, 129 cars. You're going to be like, uh, Ira, Ira, you know what? I'll be uh, back at the office in about two hours. I'm picking up my new Jeep. All right. I mean, this product is like on fire. In my part of the story at some point, I have to summarize everything that happened on Wednesday and Thursday, the last two days of the month. And we have like... 40 hours of tape that, that, that a bunch of us recorded over the course of two days. And some really amazing things happen. And, and, and we have way too much material that's good. The amount of stupidity that just happened far exceeds anything I have ever experienced in the car business. Even when I met Ira back in the late 90s, he had this confidence that allowed him to lay out the process of making his work and say, here's what you do. Here's the secret. But that's not how it feels to him day to day. And that's what I mean when I say, like, the tedium of, of making radio or of making anything. Like, at some point, you have to stop talking about being a painter. You have to fucking paint the canvas, you know. And, uh, and, you know, you have to execute your plan. And that's the part that I feel like, for me, where, where procrastination can really set in. Um, because I know... I know what it's going to be like. And, and the only thing you can do in that situation is truthfully the thing you can only do in any kind of creative situation, which is you just have to start surrounding yourself with the story and getting it inside your head. So you start to like see the problems and see the path through and see what you want to keep and see what you want to kill. And, um, and you, have to, you have to get off your ass and just, and just start thinking about the thing all the time. Okay, that's all well and good. But isn't there a better way to escape the forest than just slogging through it? 
collaboration. The secret to accelerating your escape from the darkness is editorial collaboration. I've said it over and over again, but it's just the simple truth. If you talk to somebody about what you're trying to achieve, if you try to explain the bits that are slipping away from you, you'll start to find the answers you need. And if you record your conversations, you'll have a way to hold on to these insights. I mean, I'm struggling, and you are too, struggling with what is the difference between these things. Yeah. I mean, maybe each section just needs uh, a descriptive title that... that Focus sentence for each chapter. Focus sentence for each chapter. So it's like... um, Matt and I talked about every page, every concept, every connection in Out on the Wire, all the way through that fall of 2013 as I grappled with the deepest and darkest forest I'd ever gotten lost in. And each time we did, I felt another ray of sunshine break through the gloom. And without even noticing how it happened, I realized at some point right around Christmas that I had written a book. The truly amazing thing is you do get through it. I got through it, and everyone I interviewed has gotten through it over and over. You never think it's going to happen, and then it happens. Jad did eventually finish that Wagner piece. When I heard the thing on the radio later, I was like, oh, somewhere in the middle of that trauma, I think I found my voice. It was one of the first times when I heard myself on the radio and I thought, all right, I could work with that. It's not, I I see where that guy's going and I kind of want to go there with him. There's a real correlation, to use the science word, uh, between time spent in the German forest and these moments of emergence. That's what I believe. I've been lost deep in the dark forest on every major project I've ever done. And even on smaller projects, I spend at least a few hours there. I've been doing this long enough that if I didn't get at least a little bit stuck in those brambles, I'd worry that I wasn't going far enough out on the wire. That feeling of being lost is what happens when your brain is working the hardest to make connections, to understand what this morass of work you've produced actually means. The projects where you find yourself lost like this are really only the big, important ones. This kind of stuck doesn't happen with little things, with easy, non-challenging work. If what you're doing is deep, if it's worth doing, it's going to be hard. And, um, and to be clear, you know, it, the German forest changes a bit. That sense of the work is just too big. I can't get my head around this. How am I going to do this? That never changes. But what does change is that the terror gets reframed for you because now you know you've made it out a few times. So the terror takes on a different character. And it's like your vision gets to a higher altitude where you can see over the treetops and into the future where there you are, you're still there, you're still alive. So in that way, you begin to recognize the German forest for what it is. It's actually a tool. It's the place that you have to go to hear the next version of yourself. Red Riding Hood was happy to know that the greedy wolf of the forest could never again frighten or harm her. So she started cheerfully for home to join her mother where she lived happily ever after.
I was writing an article about the dark forest a couple of weeks ago and remembered Kazukibuishi's concise, perfect tweet. Creative process. Number one, this is going to be awesome. Number two, this is hard. Number three, this is terrible. Number four, I'm terrible. Number five, hey, not bad. Number six, that was awesome. And then as I was writing this episode, I thought, damn, I got to talk to Kazu for this. He's been so eloquent and generous with his audience in sharing his creative process, and I wanted to bring some of that wisdom to you. My name is Kazu Kibuishi, and I'm the creator of Amulet. It's a graphic novel series for middle grade readers uh, that is published by Scholastic Graphics. I get really nervous if I'm okay with an early draft. Because that just means there's, you know, that I haven't I haven't made enough mistakes on it yet. Um, if if I'm okay with an early draft, it's it's generally because I was lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, if I see something that that I didn't intend to do that looks great, I, I will I will move in that direction, and uh, sometimes it informs the entire book. Uh, in the case of Amulet Seven, I drew the first thirty or forty pages of the book um, several times before I, I decided to just do a t- completely different book. Uh, based on a question somebody actually asked me in one of the audiences that I talked to, it was, it was a, a young girl who asked me about this particular scene in the, in the story and asked, what happens at the end of Amulet 5 in the chess scene? And I felt like I didn't adequately answer it in the previous volumes. Um, so I, um, I shifted gears to do just that in the new book. <laughs> And I thought, and I thought it was uh, the book was better for it. The scene I was working on at the time, I was doing it because I thought, oh, this would be really neat. This would be really cool to see. And there was this giant epic action adventure sequence that I was opening up the book with. And I and it's kept every time I kept working on it, you know, there's something inside was telling me that I was going the wrong direction. I could sense it. And when she asked that question, it. it reminded me that I needed to be focused on my main character and that I had lost a little bit of focus. So I I refocused and uh, redid the whole first half of the book. In fact, it ended up informing the entire thing. Tell me if there is a moment of like cold seeping into your entrails when you're like, oh, (laughs) like she's right and she's 12. No, 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 no. For me, it's not, there's not a cold seeping in there. It's like, I feel energized. I think that's when you know you're a professional when you when you start enjoying those moments when things aren't going well. I I, I equate it to to maybe um, uh, pro athletes. Sometimes I, I I hear quarterbacks talk about it too. That, you know that you, that you want to be given the opportunity to rise to the occasion when something isn't going your way, and if you can overcome it, you know the results are so much greater than if everything was going your way the whole time. I mean, it's just not as not as uh, interesting to people. It's not as memorable to people if things just go well. We need that conflict, that tension, for us to be able to to sort our way through it. That's what we're looking for. That's what we want to see in the writing. Um, I always think of Indiana Jones in, a, uh, in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And when I, I read the first interview with Spielberg after it was done, he said, hey, that was the first time we just went with first cut. It was so easy. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, that's not going to be good. 
Oh man, you know, because like I think a producer hears that and you're like, yeah, congratulations, that's awesome, that's great. This is that means everything's going well. And I'm thinking as an artist, like, no, that means it's going to probably be awful, <laughs> you guys. Even the best of us don't. We can't just you know immaculately conceive an amazing thing. It just doesn't happen. You know, it's all work. We have to. We have to 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 just be okay with the process of molding it into the shape it's going to be. Right. You know, I get the impression sometimes um, amongst my colleagues that they think everything's easy for me <laughs> or that things, you know, oh, yeah, you know, it's Kazu. Things are going well for him. They go well all the time. And and they don't know half the truth, you know, because <laughs> it's so – it's always difficult. It's always so hard, you know, and I barely feel like I make it every time I make a book. I, I um, But I've just gotten used to that. I've gotten used to feeling like that. If I do it right the first time, I feel something's wrong. Something is off. It's Indiana Jones and the King- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull here. Something's going on. <laughs> I'm doing Indy 4. Why am I doing Indy 4? And then I have to try to figure it out. But I, I always like when someone can call me out. When that can happen, I know that I'm on something. And I'm also, as an artist and writer, I'm more excited about it when I go to work. I'm not just fulfilling some old promise that I made a long time ago. <laughs> You know, now I'm actually solving problems in the moment. And that's so much more exciting than, um, um, than trying to fulfill your, what, what I, what I like to call my, your idea debt, right? That you have this dream, uh, this idea, this awesome thing for years. You, you think, oh, I'm going to do this epic adventure. I'm gonna, it's going to be so great. And the truth is, no matter what you do, it'll never be as great as it, as it is in your mind. So you're really setting yourself up for failure in some ways. And, and I try to avoid that as much as possible. I don't, I don't want to feel that way. Even though I have to be the architect of this sprawling, epic adventure, I, I don't want to think of it that way. If I do, I'm probably going to ruin it. I used to go snowboarding a lot of times in the winter. And I used to like snowboarding in the parks. And I used to like hitting all the jumps. And when I would go down the mountain, um, I would notice a bunch of young snowboarders who are waiting at the, the top of the jumps. They may look like they're waiting their turn, but in fact, they're waiting there because they're actually kind of afraid to hit that jump. <laughs> and what they don't realize is that over time, they're getting colder. They're physically getting colder. The idea debt of having to make that jump and land it and be impressive is getting greater. So that by the time they actually do it, it's they're probably not going to fulfill <laughs> that dream. And so one thing I learned as a snowboarder was to just hit the jump or just pass it. Just you know, if you're just do it in the moment or not at all, just skip it. And so you can move on and wait for the next time. And I, I always apply that to the wor- the work that I do as well. I try not to to look at. The thing I'm going to do is being this amazing, great, grand thing. Because if I do that, I, I will I will probably um, not achieve what I'm looking to do. It'd be like looking at the sun. Actually making the book doesn't take that much time. It, producing the book, for me, I, I can draw very quickly. I can write very quickly. Um, it takes a long time to figure out what the emotional core of each book is. You know, and so I can't work off of the plot. I can't work off of the technical stuff because none of that gives me the emotional core of what's fueling this book. 
the best writing just happens, right? I mean, if you're a writer, you always feel like you're you should just be a passenger along for the ride, and your your characters are taking you to interesting places. Um, and they can't do that unless unless the engine is fueled by that emotional core for the story. And if you can't find that thing, you can't get going. Um, you're you know, and a lot of times you can't. And that's that's actually when you know you're a professional is when you can push through when you don't have that 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 emotional fire. Um, those are the hardest days for me. But once that engine is on, I mean, I'm clicking. I am moving down the road so fast, uh, and it's exhilarating. And that's like why I feel like that's that's why I like doing this job. You know, my wife's also a writer, so she knows when that mo- those moments are are on. I just hand hand her the babies, or <laughs> you know, just tell her like, okay, it's on right now. I gotta go. And she's like, okay, we got it. Let's go, go, go. And I I just get pages done. Sometimes I can do about forty pages in a sitting. And sometimes I can't do four. I can't do four panels, you know, because it just isn't there. I mean, but, you know, some people write differently. I, I just tend to, to like um, very emotional content. So I, I kind of have to feel it in order for it to, to work for me. Yeah. It was really hard to think of my own work as art. I, I actually try not to as much as I can so that I can retain my sanity, actually. Because um, I care a lot about art, um, a tremendous amount of, uh, about art. So when I do my work, I actually think of myself as an educator. I just think of myself as a teacher's aide. And if some art slips in there, and that's cool. So is thinking about art, um, does that become idea debt for you? Yeah, it does. Yeah, because you, especially if you care about it a lot, it'll cripple you because you feel like you're not ever meeting the standard. You know, that you're not, you're not answering the call. <laughs> and if you always feel that, then you're probably not going to be entirely effective in your, in your job. So, uh, you're not going to take the jump. Yeah. You just, you're just basically a lot. I think a lot of people just end up sitting at the top of that hill and just looking at the jump and they just don't, yeah, they just don't jump. So, um, I always want to be the person that's the first to take the jump, not care about it so much. And then we can look back at it and think of it as art, but you know, I, I definitely didn't as I was rolling down that hill or else I would have, you know, probably buckled. I just really want to get at this at step four here. I'm terrible because you have not said anything today that has made me think that you ever think that you are terrible. Oh, no, always. I always think I am. Are you kidding? Um, I'm always there's always a, a, a point where I, I just think, oh, man, I I'm messing this up. I am not a professional. I'm a, I'm a total fake. Like, I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I mean, it happens. And in, and in those moments, I do have the perspective to look at it and go, come on, you got to be, you, you, look, things are working. You'll get through it. It'll be fine. And I think it's the combination of those those two voices in, in an artist's head, I think, that, that can keep them moving. I, I wanted to actually remind my Twitter followers that I feel the same way. I still do. And it'll always be there. And it's just that as the years go on, I just get used to that step coming up. And instead of when when instead of just resting on that step, to, I'll always remind myself in that moment that that means the next step is coming. You know. So when I feel terrible, that's a good thing. I'm like, "Oh man, this is terrible." And then I smile. <laughs> and I go, "Okay. That means something good's going to come up." Now for this week's challenge. 
Remember, we post new full episodes every two weeks. At the end of each episode, there's a challenge designed to get you working on a narrative project of your own. And if you find yourself in need of timely feedback, you know where you can find it, in the Out on the Wire working group. You join the working group by going to my website at jessicaable.com slash podcast and signing up to receive my newsletter. That's jessicaable.com slash podcast. Okay, here's the challenge. Collaborate. I know I told you to do this last time, but I'm betting you didn't do it. So now I'm keeping it simple. Find someone to sit down with you for half an hour and explain to them what you're working on and where you're stuck. They don't need to be experts on your subject or your medium. You just want their honest feedback and their honest questions. Record your conversation. If you have a smartphone, it will have a recorder built in. If not, you can get a cheap digital voice recorder. It'll be worth having. After your collaborative meeting, I want you to post a quick debrief of what the experience was like and what you learned. If you want to find someone to work with who is more attuned to your goals, find a local or online writers group and ask for volunteers and then meet at a cafe or do a Google Hangout or Skype conversation with them. But make sure you're talking out loud, not exchanging email. The talking part is the magic. Just reach out to someone whose work you like and see if you can find a time. I know this will make you feel vulnerable. It's scary to admit that you're stuck. It's scary to ask something of someone. But I think you'll find that it's all worth it. And very likely your collaborator will too. Just make sure you pick up the tab for the coffee. If, on the other hand, you're struggling to even get your creative work off the ground, I've been writing a lot about creative project management on my blog at jessicaable.com, including designing some activities you can try. I'll have show notes on this episode, including links to all the stories we mentioned today on my site at jessicaable.com slash podcast. You can also get show notes emailed to you if you're on the newsletter. If you love Out on the Wire and want to support the show, check out the Out on the Wire bonus pack. In it, you get full music downloads from the show and complete versions of our new interviews, including Stephanie Fu, Jonathan Mitchell, Kazu Kibuishi, Robert Smith, and more. It's a great way to spend some time with our awesome guests and support the show at the same time. It's only $10, or more if you're feeling generous, for over eight hours of bonus content. Find out more at jessicaable.com slash podcast. You can find me on Twitter at jccable. Benjamin is at Benjamin Frisch. Out on the Wire is produced by Benjamin Frisch with music contributed by Matt Madden. Made with the support of La Maison des Auteurs en Roulin. And an extra special thanks this week go to Robert Smith and Jess Jang of Planet Money for doing a real pro-style edit with us on this episode. We've got it all on tape, and you'll get to hear what it sounds like in episode eight. So stay tuned. See you in a week with Benjamin Frisch and Matt Madden for a discussion of some of your work from the Out on the Wire working group on our workshop episode. And we'll be back with episode eight, Your Baby's Ugly. Your Baby's Ugly. Your Baby's Ugly. Your baby is ugly. Ugly baby you.